Welcome back to another episode of the Adam Schefter Podcast. And on today's episode, we'll be joined by the former NFL veteran quarterback, now my ESPN colleague and friend, Matthew Hasselbeck, who knows a thing or two about the way the Packers situation works and might have some special insight into the Aaron Rodgers situation unfolding in Green Bay. And then we'll be joined by the man that re-signed with the Pittsburgh Steelers. Wide receiver Juju Smith-Schuster comes on to talk about why he returned to Pittsburgh and why it was difficult to pass up an opportunity with division rival Baltimore. But the story that hangs over the NFL right now is Aaron Rodgers and his future, or lack thereof, in Green Bay. Last week, I popped onto the Dan Patrick Show to talk about the Aaron Rodgers situation, and Dan asked a question asking me to trace back what happened on draft day and the process leading up to ESPN releasing the story on Aaron Rodgers. Well, that actually was the first day that I was scheduled to play golf in a year, one full year. And I don't play golf very often, but a few times a year, it's nice to go out and a friend was taking me out. And so I do Dan Patrick at 10.25 a.m. Eastern, go to play 18 holes with my friend. And we were three holes in, having a nice, enjoyable day. When I got a text from my boss, Seth Markman, that my name was trending on Twitter, which is never a good sign. And initially, I was confused as to why my name could or would be trending. But I guess it came to my attention, as many critics have pointed out, that they felt that what their takeaway on that interview was, it was that I intentionally held the story for draft day, which I could tell you was unequivocally 100% wrong. I did not go to Cleveland thinking, boy, I've got this Aaron Rodgers story in my back pocket, and I'm going to drop it on draft day. Baloney. Never happened. Number one. Number two, the complaint was that I didn't have sources because I said during that interview that there was an accumulation of information, which there was over months, over a long period of time that I just kept picking up. And so that morning, I made the decision, you know what? There were reports that the 49ers had reached out to the Packers about Aaron Rodgers. And I said, this isn't going to hold up. And while I didn't go into all the micro details with Dan Patrick, and I made the decision that I better get on this Aaron Rodgers story that morning with that information, and it just felt relevant. Of course, at that point, you reached out to not one person, not two people, not three, but multiple people multiple people to make sure that the situation has not changed, is still unfolding, is updated, are there additional details that I might add, all of which happened. And if anybody needs to verify this, they can ask my boss, Seth Markman. And instead, I'm reading headlines on Twitter. And even Packers fans to this day, Adam Schefter, had no sources for this story. People, let's be honest. No sources for this story? Are we serious? Do we think that that morning I just woke up and said, you know what? I'm going to unload this Aaron Rodgers story that I've heard about for months of time. I didn't go into how the sausage is made with Dan Patrick in depth because, frankly, I never expected that it would take on 
a life of its own where people were making incorrect judgments, assessments of how I did my job. I can tell you how I did my job. I did my job the same way I've tried to do my job for 31 years in journalism school. They teach you, if your mother tells you she loves you, check it out. Do you think I made the decision that day to say, I'm going to unload this Aaron Rodgers story, premeditated, by the way, to sabotage draft day? False. That I didn't call around again that morning. Correct. In fact, it took me a few hours to get that information, which didn't come in the final bits of informations and verifications until three five or so. And we could prove that because why didn't we open NFL Live at three o'clock if I had all the information that I wanted? That's what we were trying to do. You'll notice that I came out at the end of the segment and said, we'll have breaking news after the segment because the last piece of information that I needed had just come in. And so we opened the B block at about 3.15 Eastern on NFL Live with the Aaron Rodgers story that I was putting together for the rest of the morning. I left out those little details about doing that additional reporting that morning, that day, on top of the accumulation of information that had come in for the better part of weeks and months, which is why I didn't address that in Dan Patrick. I inadvertently left out that little detail that when I decided to go with the Aaron Rodgers story, that of course I was going to go to other people to verify it, check it out, make sure it was up to date, make sure the information was still accurate. So number one, there was nothing premeditated about it, nothing. Number two, I didn't just decide that morning, oh, let's just drop this right now and not check into it. Number three, there were sources involved that day, unlike what other people have said. The whole thing was so surprising, so disappointing that all this could come up and become a total non-issue that became an issue over what? Over a story. It's crazy. Let me, a little journalism lesson right here. Every story has its own rhythm and pace. Some stories, you get a text and you can just report it right away. Other stories take days or weeks to flush out. Some stories take days and weeks or months and you never get them and you never report them. The Aaron Rodgers story kept happening, but nobody really verified that, hey, he has given the Packers the message. He's not coming back. There were all these hints and whispers and signs and indications and little pieces of information, but it was not strung together. And ultimately you make the decision, you know what? I think it's time to tie this all together with the 49ers information coming out and you make additional calls, which I didn't mention on Dan Patrick, apologies, that's on me. And then you put together the report that came out, like I said, because the information was still flowing in at three o'clock at 3.15 in the B block of NFL Live. So no, again, not premeditated, not done without sources, not done without verifying and checking amongst multiple people. And yes, then putting out the story of Aaron Rodgers, which we will have more about here coming right up with a former Packers quarterback himself, Matthew Hasselbeck. But before we get to Matthew Hasselbeck and Juju Smith-Schuster, there's a few things I want to share with you. First off, the NBA season is in full swing. 
And who better to give you all of your NBA insider information than my friend ESPN NBA expert Adrian Wojnarowski and the Woj Pod. Be sure to download and follow the Woj Pod wherever you get your podcasts. Also, ESPN Films' latest documentary, 144, executive produced by ESPN Radio and First Take, Her Take podcast host, as well as current WNBA player Cheney Agumake, takes viewers inside the WNBA's unprecedented 2020 season. Four months after the WNBA postponed its season due to the COVID-19 pandemic, the league set out to play a condensed season entirely in a bubble where 144 players across 12 teams not only came together to play basketball, but also to dedicate their season to social justice. 144 will premiere May 13th at 9 p.m. Eastern time on ESPN. The film will be available on ESPN Plus immediately after its premiere. And now, my friend, my colleague, the great quarterback of the Seattle Seahawks, Indianapolis Colts, Tennessee Titans, and Green Bay Packers, Matthew Hasselbeck. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small, and when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com Adam today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Adam. Up oh, there he is. The man has got juice because moments ago, he sends me a text. He, moments ago, he sends me a text. It says, dead battery on laptop, need to plug in quick. Hopefully, I get to 1% soon. And as I told you, I always knew you were one percenter. I mean, look at this. It's plugged in. There's no electricity. There's like a coaching point in here, right? Like if if the, the link to electricity to your computer is no good, <laughs> doesn't matter how good your computer is, doesn't matter how much you pay your electricity bill doesn't matter well you sent me a text when your battery on your laptop was dead and you said sorry hopefully i get to one percent soon and as i told you i always knew you were a one percenter <laughs> takes one to know one i guess so we just we just got to verify today we just got to verify today matthew that's it, it. i was a zero percenter today adam zero. <laughs> how did it feel to be a zero percenter it's not very fun right yeah it's frustrating it really is frustrating i felt like i was doing everything right and uh Raced, raced home to get here for this podcast too. You know, I had time to spare, had a turkey sandwich and just didn't, didn't, uh, didn't plug in life lesson. And you have all the time in the world. So with yeah. everything going on in the NFL, as there are all these quarterback storylines out there, right? We have Trevor Lawrence going to Jacksonville and we've got the 49ers trading up and we've got, Let's see what else. Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay and Deshaun Watson. If if you were on Sunday Countdown this week, which is the one quarterback storyline that would? I mean, I know what the producers would want to talk about. They'd want to talk about Aaron Rodgers. They'd want to talk about that kind of stuff. To me, what I would probably want to talk about is Tua in Miami. 
you know, or some of these situations where the team is really good, maybe Matthew Stafford or Jared Gullick, where the team did something and they, they basically said, okay, now it's up to you quarterback. It's up to you. Like we did what we were supposed to do. Now it's up to you. And then there's some guys who are going to take the next step or not take the next step who, you know, maybe um, you know, like a Derek Carr would be an example of a guy that nationally probably doesn't get a lot of respect, but I think that they believe, or there are certain people that believe like, Hey, you know what? No, this guy is really close to being a superstar. Um, but he's just got to go out and prove it. You know, like stuff like that. I think there's the Jimmy Garoppolo angle, like, okay, what version of Jimmy Garoppolo are we going to get after we trade up to get to that number three spot? We draft the quarterback of the future. Are we going to get the best version we've ever seen of Jimmy Garoppolo or what? Like, and I think they believe they will. It remind that reminds me a little bit of like when Alex Smith had a, just an amazing year, led the entire NFL in quarterback rating the year they drafted Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes sat on the bench. That was the best football Alex Smith had played. Kansas City Chiefs were the one seed. You know, it's just those those are interesting things to me, like what the quarterbacks are actually going to do on the football field. And it wasn't coincidental in your mind that Alex Smith had his best season once they drafted Mahomes, just like the 49ers have now drafted Trey Lance. Yeah, not at all. And in fact, I don't think it's because uh, – I don't think it's because like Alex Smith wasn't doing the most he could do without Patrick Mahomes on the bench. Like I have a tremendous amount of respect for Alex Smith, but I do believe that Alex Smith was really good at protecting the football, playing winning football, playing conservative football. And then all of a sudden here comes this gunslinger of gunslingers in um, Patrick Mahomes. And I think what we saw out of Alex Smith's game was like, Hey, it's time to cut it loose. It's not time to like, just play it safe at all. Like I'm on, you know, this is it. This is like, you know, borrowed time sort of. So like, I'm just going to cut it loose. And the result was he played incredible. I think he came into new England week one, got the win in an impressive fashion, but he was pushing the ball downfield. It was receivers. It was tight ends. It was him running the ball. Um, that was, that was kind of an inspiring year, I think, if you were going to watch around the league. I think people saw how Kansas City handled that year. Alex Smith's last year with Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes' first year. And they and I think people have tried to duplicate it, but no one's been able to duplicate it the way that they did uh, in Kansas City. And Kyle Shanahan and Jimmy Garoppolo would have a good chance to do that. But you mentioned three quarterbacks when I asked you to name your quarterback storyline that intrigues you. You mentioned Tua. You mentioned Matthew Stafford. You mentioned Jared Goff. Which of these guys do you expect to take the next step forward? Which is the guy that you feel most confident in endorsing having a great season? Like the guy that you and your War Room League partner, Tim Hasselbeck, would like to draft <laughs> in the fantasy draft in the War Room League that we have. Yeah, well, I'm not, not really no good at fantasy, um, <laughs> as you know. L listen, I mean, there's, there's a lot of guys. Matthew Stafford is the most intriguing guy to me because we've seen what Sean McVay has been able to do with quarterbacks. We've seen what that offense has done with in Matt LaFleur. They're, they're running it in green Bay. Kyle Shanahan's running, running that same offense in San Francisco. And they're obviously running it there with the LA Rams. I know the division is tough, but it's just, it's going to be very, very interesting to see you take the skill set of what Matthew Stafford has. And then you plug it into that system that Sean McVay has. Also, by the way, you have the number one defense in football. Mm. Like that's the one that I think could really just shock people. I don't think that's that one. That's one that's going to get a lot of headlines this year, but um, there's something fascinating about it. It could fail. 
Like sometimes that fails yeah. when you have a gunslinger going in and um, plays in within a system. It doesn't always work. I think this will work, but it is interesting. Well, there's a honeymoon going on between Sean McVay and Matthew Stafford. These guys love each other right now. They're all about each other. And when the Rams made that trade, there was a big part of them that saw what Tampa Bay did winning a Super Bowl in its home, home stadium mm-hmm. saying, we've got the Super Bowl in L.A., and we want to be the second straight team after no one had ever done it before to not only play a Super Bowl in our home stadium, but to win a Super Bowl in our home stadium. That was in their thinking. That came up, I remember, the night or the weekend that they traded for Matthew Stafford. Like, Super Bowl or bust. We're going all in. And they haven't had a first-round draft pick since they drafted, like, Deacon Jones back in the 1960s. They just keep trading him all away, but they just feel like they're getting great players. Like, they traded two ones for Jalen Ramsey. And I remember talking to the Rams organization, and they said to me, would you rather have the defensive end that Jacksonville drafted last year, Caleb on Chason? Yeah. However, I'm pronouncing that Caleb on yeah. the defensive end from LSU. And then this year, Travis Etienne. So yeah. they traded those two picks that became Jalen Ramsey for those two guys. Right. All in. Yeah, and I think, I think you make it a great point. A lot of times what happens with these, with these, you know, roster selections, you're trying to sell sweets. You're trying to get on primetime television. You're trying to be relevant. You're in a big market in LA. Um, having a household name at quarterback or corner or, you know, some of those positions, that's important, obviously. I mean, so to bring in Jalen Ramsey, to bring in Matthew Stafford, to bring in these like superstar names, household names that have been around for a long time, that helps sell tickets, that helps sell suites, that helps sell marketing dollars, that helps sell jerseys, that helps people say, no, we want that game on Monday Night Football or on Thursday, like whatever night it is. Which sells more jerseys and, and which sells more merchandise. Right. And there's no better case to prove this than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers, even on our show Sunday Countdown, like we didn't cover a lot of Tampa Bay Buccaneers things. It just wasn't, I don't know why. It just didn't have the same appeal on the Pinoche. national scale. Yeah, we were, they, and the Bucs weren't on, they weren't on primetime a lot. You didn't see, like I live here in Boston. You didn't see a lot of people walking around town with Buccaneers jerseys on or gear. <laughs> now there's like Buccaneers bumper stickers everywhere. You know, there's Gronk uh, Buccaneers jerseys. There's Brady Buccaneers jerseys. I, how long till there's an Edelman uh, Buccaneers jersey? I don't know, but like they're also on national TV all the time and they're relevant. They're selling out. They're selling sweets. They're, you know, they're, they're back on the national scene. And I think that's what like a team with the Rams, they're fighting that a little bit, you know, with their with their relocation. Well, it's a, it's a land of stars. But how would you say Boston breaks down? Are there more Bucks? Are there more Brady Bucks jerseys and Gronk Buck jerseys and that sort of thing than there are actual Cam Newton and Mac Jones jerseys, Matthew? I mean, it's unfair to those other two guys. It's unfair to Cam and unfair to Mac Jones. But I just sort of feel like here in New England in this area, it's just sort of the norm. People here, you work your whole life here, right? You grind. And then when you've kind of just like, all right, I'm near the twilight end of my, you know, my existence here. I'm going to move on down to Florida and retire down there, kind of settle in. So I think the community here is kind of like, yeah, we get it. Brady, you gave us, you know, 20 years. Gronk, you gave us everything you had. And 
uh, Jules, your knee gave out, you know, your, the wheels fell off a little bit, maybe go down to that, that nice grass in Florida and you'll feel a lot better. But, um, so I think people are understanding of it here and maybe they just have two teams. Maybe we can handle that. Now you have a team in the AFC and a team in the NFC and you can kind of root for both. The other quarterback we brought up that you were not as quick to talk about that we at ESPN are very quick to talk about is Aaron Rodgers. He continues to be in the headlines. He will continue to be in the headlines. What is your take as a man who played quarterback in Green Bay from 1998 to 2000, as a man who knows the Packers organization, as a man who knows Aaron Rodgers, what is your take on that situation and how it might play out? Yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And I, I don't know, I have not been following it minute by minute uh, as I'm sure you're covering it, but uh, you know, Green Bay is a special place and it's a different organization than, than, you know, the rest of the NFL anyway, there's no ownership. Um, you know, there's no like owner who can just come in and may, wave a magic wand and say, Hey, this is how I want to just get it done. You know, it's just different. And it's very, very much the, the team is in silos. Like, okay, you're over here and you're everything non-football. You're over here. You're just football. You're over here. And you just, uh, you're just in scouting or you're just in coaching or you're just in playing. And sometimes when you, you're a quarterback of Brett Favre's stature or Aaron Rodgers' stature, who really you feel like you have been the Green Bay Packers, um, and, in, and maybe that is true, it can feel a little funny or can feel a little frustrating when you have someone who's sort of newer than you, who wasn't around when you were the guy hoisting a Lombardi trophy, mm making decisions that you don't necessarily agree with at all. And so I could see that happening. I'm not in on the day to day or what's going on there in green Bay, but you know, you certainly hear things. And um, I do know this, the green Bay Packers are an incredible organization, organization that I feel really fortunate to have been drafted to, but I could certainly see where Aaron Rodgers is like, you know what? I don't really like all the red tape that I have to go through for every little thing. Like, why can't it just be open dialogue between me and the important people that help make decisions here? Like, why can't we have that? And if you don't, if you, if you're unable to get to that, you know, certainly the grass will look greener other places. Well, you saw the way that other places run. You saw the way Seattle ran from 2001 yeah. to 2010, Tennessee, 2011, 2012, Indianapolis, 2013 to 2015. Is Green Bay run that much different than those other places you played, Matthew? You know, I think when I went from Green Bay to Seattle, Paul Allen was the owner in Seattle and he was, uh, he was very hands off as an owner. And so Mike Holmgren and company ran Seattle much like they ran Green Bay. And then when I went to the Tennessee Titans, Mike Reinfeld, who had been, I think, the CFO and the GM and president, uh, both in Seattle and then in Tennessee, um, you know, sorry, Green Bay, Seattle, and then in Tennessee, the model was very similar. Bud Adams, the owner, was in Houston, Houston still from when they were the Houston Oilers. He was very hands-off that way. But I think for the very first time when I went to the Indianapolis Colts, I saw how an owner who had grown up around football and had been in football the whole time in Jim Irsay, I saw how he uh, was very, very involved with GM, head coach, had relationships with players. I'd heard all these stories about whether it was, you know, Jim Irsay and Bill Polian and Tony Dungy and Peyton Manning. It was like the four of them. It was like a four-headed monster in a way. And there was certainly a hierarchy, but there was relationship there. 
And it certainly felt like uh, when things needed to get done, they just got them done, you know, just immediately. And I think that was leadership at the ownership position. So uh, I guess the answer I would give you is that not all NFL owners are created equally. Some have been around the game for a long time. Some have had continuity. Some are better at business than others. Some are better at football than others. The Green Bay Packers are just unique. And sometimes, you know, I just would imagine when you want to get something done or when you have a question, there's no one to come through and answer the question. Um, and I, you know, I can't speak specifically to the details there, but um, it would not surprise me if at some point Aaron Rodgers is playing for another team. It does surprise me a little bit that it might happen this year, but, uh, but it, knowing how it goes in Green Bay, uh, certainly that could happen. So you still think there's a chance he's going to play for the Packers this year, but not perhaps finish his career in Green Bay? Yeah, I mean, I feel like you would know better than me, but I just remember being there as a player playing for the Green Bay Packers for three years. And everything at the time was about Vince Lombardi, Vince Lombardi, Bart Starr, Vince Lombardi. Well, Vince Lombardi coached for Washington at the end of his career. You know, like uh, Reggie White was a teammate of mine. Reggie White was the man. It was like the minister of defense. He was our guy on defense, Brett Favre on offense and Reggie on defense. And by the end of my time in Green Bay, we were playing against Reggie White when he was a Carolina Panther, you know, it was like, you know, all of a sudden Mark Tauscher is holding the keys of the green Bay Packers to like the keys to success. Like Tausch, we know you're a seventh rounder and a rookie, but we need you to shut down Reggie white tonight. It was like, wait, what just happened? Reggie white is the Packers. Reggie white is us, but all of a sudden he's a Carolina Panther. And then obviously they lived it with Brad Favre. Uh, they lived it even to a, to a smaller extent, you know, Mike Holmgren, Mike Holmgren was that guy. And then all of a sudden he's in Seattle. Um, so it happens to the greats guys that have streets named after them guys that are in the Packers ring of honor. They finish elsewhere. Uh, Clay Matthews, Jordy Nelson, you know, so I think the lesson is that, that it doesn't matter if you're Vince Lombardi or Brett Favre or even Aaron Rodgers, you could finish your career somewhere else. Um, it just seems unlikely because the guy just won the MVP, but, um, that's, that's the NFL and that's where we are right now. What do they have named after you in Green Bay? You know what? Let me think about that. Uh, <laughs> maybe a hot dog, maybe a hot dog. I don't know. <laughs> Speaking of, I, I will say this, uh, one of the great experiences I've had this off season was getting to see you again for the first time in, what would that have been? 15 months, 16 months. Well, I see you on TV all the time, so I feel like I've been seeing you. Right, but not, but I mean in person. And for those who don't know, basically, I at the last moment decided to fly to Augusta, Georgia, which I've never done. I hadn't left my house in 15 months. I'm on the course the first day, and I feel somebody tap me on my shoulder from behind, and there is, lo and behold, my friend, my colleague, Matthew Hasselbeck, there on his own little, there on his own little golf boys, on his own little boys golf trip, right. Hey, I was, I was, but you, you, who are you with? You were with like Dwayne Wade. Who are you with? <laughs> no, for well, real, you know, who are you with? Well, that, that's kind of who I was with, basically. Yeah, I, you were with Dwayne Wade and somebody else, I thought. Well, yeah, I was with maybe Dwayne people. Wade Chef. I don't know. You were with somebody. Dwayne Wade Chef. He was because I was like, wow, that guy looks like uh, Adam Schefter. And then I'm like, well, that guy looks like Dwayne Wade. And I'm like, well, maybe that is Adam Schefter. <laughs> I had the pleasure and opportunity of spending some time with Dwayne Wade. Uh, yeah. Uh, 
Yeah, that worked out pretty well. That was great, man. It was great to see you. I mean, the Masters is an amazing kind of a bucket list type of thing. Um, I, had, I had a last minute chance to go with some some friends and uh, it was just incredible. I mean, for those people who golf, you know how hard golf is. So then can you imagine golfing on a course like that with the rules being as you know tight as they are? You know, you, you're, you know, they're probably different than when you and I play on a Saturday morning. So, uh, no, it was really cool. It was good to see you too. And you, you, as always are a wealth of knowledge, uh, on, <laughs> on the things that are going to happen. And I think at the time you had mentioned something to me that was like, could happen. And I was like, yeah, right. There's no way. And, uh, what was that? It might've even been, I don't know. I'm trying to think, was it Aaron Rodgers? I think it was Aaron Rodgers. We were talking about at the masters. Yeah. Which and I think I, I was arguing with you. I was like, come on, there's no chance. There's no way, you know, which I had to but go I, and explain at the beginning of this podcast, because again, and you can even verify this, we're talking about it, but I didn't know, know Aaron Rodgers the way that I reported it on draft day. Right. Like it was out there. There were a lot of things being kicked around. Well, I think what, really well my perspective, my perspective on it was that there were people misreporting on social media. What a surprise. People were misreporting on social media. They were misreporting quote unquote facts about that situation. And then I feel like I saw you come out and say, whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> None of that is true, but this is what I believe is true. And this is what, you know, and uh, it was crazy at the time. I mean, it, it dominated right before the draft, everyone's timeline, it dominated coverage. And again, I think I like I was one of the people that was like, no way, that can't be true, you know. And sure enough, uh, I don't think anything that you said has been uh, false. It's just sort of shocking. And uh, you know, there you go. That's why you're Schefter. Now, while we we're at the Masters, you know, what was the cool thing about the Masters, Matthew? It was quarterback central. It was a haven for quarterbacks. Like everywhere you turned was a quarterback. I saw. Matthew Hasselbeck. I saw Mitchell Trubisky. I saw Josh Allen. I saw Patrick Mahomes. I saw Peyton Manning. I saw Josh Allen. I saw Ryan Fitzpatrick. I saw, and we saw together, Trevor Lawrence. And that was wild to me that two days before his wedding, he's walking the course with his fiance. They had to drive back to Clemson to go to their wedding two days later. And there they are Thursday afternoon, walking the course when we had the occasion of bumping into him. And I never met him in person until that day. Yeah. Right? You had the chance to talk to him. What was your takeaway of the kind of guy that he is? Well, no, I've, I've talked to Trevor for shoot a little bit for years. Now our, our mutual friend, Joey Roberts had kind of introduced me to him years ago. And I think Joey at the time was like, Oh, I think you'd be a good mentor for, for this kid. His name's Trevor Lawrence. And, I'm like, sure, man, I'll, I'll give him a call or whatever. I had one phone call, my first phone call with him. And I called our friend Joey. I said, uh, this kid doesn't need a mentor. Like this kid's probably mentoring people. Like he's, he's the real deal. Um, that was really neat. I think that was one of the cool things about the masters this year. There were so few people there that if you did see somebody who maybe was a well-known person, it was very easy to spot them out because the crowd was, uh, you know, nowhere near capacity. I remember the first time that I went to Augusta, I was at the masters and I was following a certain golfer and 
I'm sitting there the whole, the whole day. And I'm, I think I had a pink shirt on. Okay. Like a polo shirt. And then this other guy sitting next to me had a pink polo shirt on. And it was like, uh, you know, just weird, whatever. Like, you know, I didn't know I might've had sunglasses on and whatever. And we're sitting there. And then all of a sudden, like maybe like the sixth hole, I hear this guy say something to his friend. And I'm like, I know that voice. And I, I grab his arm and I go, he had a hat and sunglasses on. I go, Troy Aikman. And he's like, Hey, what are you doing here? Is that you this whole time? I was like, Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Like he was just so muscular. I didn't know he was that, that I had forgotten, I guess how muscular he was. And so I was like, you kind of looked like Troy Aikman, but I wasn't thinking it was Troy Aikman. And you know, it just, it was a cool thing this year, like seeing guys and like you named a bunch of people that we saw, but the, the list goes on and on, you know, like the, the amount of people that were there. So it, it's a, it's an, it's an amazing thing how, you know, people from all different sports admire what goes on at Augusta, both not only from the, the, obviously the golfers, but also the course, just being a fan of the course where it's almost like you're there to see superstars, but you're also there to see that course, which is a little bit of a superstar in itself. Well, you know what? It's interesting because about five, six years ago, I got into basketball through fantasy, through fantasy, yeah. right? And I love that. In fact, Teddy Bruschi just beat me in the semifinals ha. of the war room. And he narrowly beat me in three categories. And I GM my way out of a win at the very end. I'm not going to sound like Matthew Berry here. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. Well, you, um, you, really, you really are uh, into fantasy basketball. Like some people, like they've got vices, like they – Maybe they drink too much red wine or they like whatever golf or whatever. Yours is fantasy basketball. Well, you know what my new vice is now? And it's been this way for the last three, four years as guys like Mike Cambrari could vouch for me. Fantasy golf. Oh, I was really sure. I was really sure you were going to say Peloton. Well, that too. That too. Because I won't give your screen name away in case it's a, in case it's a uh, secret, but it's, it's uh, not really a Adam secret. And- Okay. Yeah. So, but one of the funniest things is when I'm doing a Peloton workout that you have done, you'll, yeah. you'll be on there as like the people that I'm friends with or whatever, and you'll be cruising along, you'll be cruising along or whatever, either on the bike or the tread, either one you're, you're, you're cruising along. And then all of a sudden it'll just drop to zero and you just, and I'm like, mm, <laughs> he got a text. He's breaking some news. <laughs> He's breaking some news. You know, you're running along, you know, you're at eight Oh, you're jogging, you're jogging eight Oh, eight Oh, zero. And then you're back, you're back in like, you know, two minutes. I'm like, ah, he just broke some news. You know, news let me tell you something. It, it is annoying how that works. And it used to be, and I'll tell you when it changed, it used to be that my workouts were my sacred time. Like I would not have my phone with me. And it would have been in the, I guess it was 2016. I was taking a spin class and I left my phones in the locker. Oh, there's one time my wife was pregnant and I left my phone in the locker and she was sick and she, oh, that was a bad Uh-oh. idea. That was a bad idea. But anyway, on this particular day, I get done with the spin class. I go to my locker, I pick up my phone and there are like 17 text messages from the start of the class to the time it ended at 9am. And while I was in the class, the Rams traded for the number one overall pick from the Tennessee Titans for the right to dra- to move up to yeah. draft Jared Goff. And literally there were text messages from Tennessee, LA player, like, and I missed everything, missed everything. <laughs> and ever since then, I've got my phone with me. And so now that I don't go to a gym anymore and I've got a Peloton, I'm on the Peloton there and I'll have the phone 
And that's why it's dropping to zero every now and then. Are, are you like a 24 seven, like breaking news person? Because I feel like, cause I sat next to you in the war room when we would watch film, when we'd watch the games together on Sunday. And I feel like that was your, I'm putting my phone downtime. Like I never exactly. really saw you on the phone as much during games. Yeah. Well, you know what, during the games, I think that to me is so overdone. And, and I, I argue with this with Seth Markman all the time. Like it's, during a game, who cares about breaking news during like we're all watching the game. When the game is over, we'll ask the coach mm-hmm. or a player, is he out for the year? Is he your still is he still your starting quarterback? What's the deal? Now, I guess there are certain things that are bigger than that that have to be checked on. I remember one time when Carson Wentz was having his MVP season and I found out that he tore his ACL in the fourth quarter and I reported it during the game. And it was kind of weird to me. Like I, I don't love that feeling. Um, yeah. It's happened a couple of times in my career, Carson Wentz, Andrew Luck during the game. You were familiar with that one, scaring the crap out of me, that one with your phone call to, <laughs> <me that. laughs> to me that day. But I, I try to uh, get, I try to get little windows of time that the news can wait. If that makes any sense in a day and age where uh, news never waits. I think there are moments where it can wait. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, and I respect it. Um, I think the the challenge for you is that most people nowadays are watching the game and also have a device in their hands that they're following along what people are saying about the game. You know, that's the, and you're a follower, like, you know, I would imagine every single football fan follows you on some social media platform. So that's the challenge. But no, I, I think that because I never see you without a phone. I'd never see you without two phones. But then the games come on on Sunday and your phones are down and you're into the game and you're talking to us and you're sharing information. People are sharing their perspective. And yeah. that's one of the best things I think ESPN has done is it's fun to get in the room. You know, let's just say like me, Rex Ryan, Teddy Bruschi are sitting near Randy Moss are sitting near each other and we're watching a game together you know, like we, we know a lot of football, but like, I could never really know from Rex's perspective, what he's seeing or from uh, Teddy's perspective, what he's seeing or from Randy's perspective of like, well, yeah, well this happened to me once and I'll never forget it. You know, like I enjoy that. Like when we come together like that and watch the games and it's hard to have that when everyone's down on their phone. At the or, same time. or during a pandemic, although you guys had it last year. Right. Yeah, so last year was kind of crazy because our show, Sunday Countdown, which was usually in Bristol, Connecticut, we shot from New York City last year. Um, and basically what would happen is Sundays, Teddy Bruski and I would be on a train, an Amtrak train back home with great Wi-Fi. And, you know, we got our laptops out and our iPads and all that stuff. And we're streaming all the games and I'm over here in my seat and Teddy's over there in his seat and we're having our little, our own little like mini war room. We're like, okay, you tell me everything you're seeing. Oh, that's so hard on a defense. That's so hard. And then I say, well, you know, it's hard on an offense is this, or it was a lot of fun. We had a good time. You know, by the way, I should also add before I let you go, you look very fit and trim. You must be trying some new workout method. If I don't mind saying so myself, <laughs> look you look at you though. No, you heard, I know what happened. You heard, I don't know where your sources come from, man. You know, everything is unbelievable. I took my 15 year old son to a TB 12 workout today. TB 12 workout. You, yeah. You're just trying to put pieces together. No, I was not at TB 12. I, I was at TB 12. 
I was not doing the TB12. My so my son, who's a freshman in high school, he played high school football in Nashville, Tennessee this year. As Trent Dilfer was his head football coach, wow. my old teammate. And um, it's it's funny. Like I tell my son to do something, like, oh hey, make sure you do this on your third step of your drop. Like, yeah, whatever, Dad. What do you know? Trent says the exact same thing. Yes, sir, Coach Dilfer. Anything you say. So it's uh, Trent's. Trent's a great coach, but it's also my son listens to everything that Trent says. Um, but it, unfortunately, he fractured his elbow when oh. we were there um, in his second game and had surgery. And so we're coming back from that. And he's been doing different things. And we had the opportunity to go down to Tampa this year and spend time with uh, Clyde Christensen, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback coach right after the Super Bowl, And Henry was able to work out with him and we got to go down and kind of get a little bit immersed in the TB 12 method. And, um, me, like a lot of people, like very skeptical, not sure, but after kind of seeing it, uh, I was really, really impressed. And so, uh, obviously there's a, there's a location here in Boston too. So, uh, I took my son there today to, uh, have a little soft tissue work, get a little pliability in that elbow. And, uh, and, and hopefully it's uh, continues to heal. I know Tom will appreciate this question, but what impressed you about it that you weren't expecting? Uh, maybe just how authentic it was. You know, I was waiting to hear something, you know, crazy or something. I don't know. I wasn't really sure, but it's really, it really is pretty simple. It's about hydration. It's about uh, mobility, or they use the word pliability. It's about training smarter. Um, and I, I don't think it needs my words to say anything about it. Look what he's done at age 43. And he seems to be playing better now than he was at it when he was 23. Um, and I know for me, you know, I was playing when I was 40, started eight, I think eight games when I was 40 years old, I had to work so much harder as a 38 year old, 39 year old, 40 year old than I did when I was younger, but it wasn't what everyone would have you believe. Like it's impossible. It's not impossible. You yeah. just need to work harder. You need to make sacrifices where you never used to have to make sacrifices. And I think he's just taken it to a whole nother level in terms of the mindset, the work ethic, the mobility, you know, just really hearing stories about, you know, I know one of the hardest things for me was sitting in a chair in meetings all the time and then going out to practice right away. I mean, if you have a job where you sit in a chair all day, like it's kind of brutal, like sitting in a chair all day he is like revolutionizing kind of the way people even sit in chairs. Like, you know, like, Hey, instead of sitting in a chair in this meeting right before practice, like maybe I'm going to be on a foam roller for the 45 minutes before practice starts and, you know, just maximizing every second of every day. It's just pretty impressive. It's not overly complicated yet. Um, for some reason, people aren't willing to make changes and he's made the changes. And I think you're seeing the evidence on the field. He could have prolonged your career. You could have played even longer than you already did, Matthew. Yeah, but discipline, like discipline is another word. And like the discipline that he has had nutritionally, I think is probably one of the things that has really separated him from, hmm. from most people I know. And as you know, you sit next to me in the war room. Uh, so you know what I eat uh, also. So like, I don't know if avocado ice creams for me, you know, I'm a, I'm a Haagen-Dazs coffee ice cream kind of guy. I'm a, I'm a, 10 cups of coffee in the morning kind of person. So, you know, we'll see. Well, you got it going on. I appreciate you taking the time today on short notice. I'm sorry that I drained your 
computer battery. I'm happy that Sarah's <laughs> computer was able to come to the rescue here. And that, hey. uh, like I said, you validated that you're a true one percent. You know, diverse. me and technology, man, like I, I'm, I can and you're do a good with that. Well, I can you're put my foot that. in my mouth well, and I can really screw up technology. The first ever Zoom that I was on, I was speaking to the Boston College football team. The new coach there, Jeff Halfley, is like, hey, would you talk to the team? We've got this thing. It's called like Wisdom Wednesdays or whatever. I want you to be a guest. So sure enough, I've got this great talk planned. It's going to go great. It's going to be like Adam Schefter talking to Michigan. It's going to be that good. <laughs> and what happens? My stinking battery goes out halfway through the thing. <laughs> I'm like this guy. They're probably like, "Wow, this that's intelligent. That's intelligent." Hold up, this guy can't even keep his battery charged. I, he knows nothing. <laughs> I'm not going to listen to a thing this guy says. We, we 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 all have adventures in Zoom and technology. Last year, during the height of the pandemic, my college buddies asked me if I could give a pseudo commencement address to their daughters who were graduating Michigan. There was no ceremony. And I said, I'd be honored. And they invited some friends. And there may have been, I don't know, 50, 100 people on the Zoom call where I was the commencement speaker for mm -hmm. Michigan, an honor I've never had before. And so right before I went on, I said, you know, it'd be kind of cool if I brought on Chase Winovich to say a few words. He's like a god at Michigan. So I reached out to him and he said, yeah, he'd be happy to come on. So I introduced Chase Winovich to come on and uh, he steps up there and he's like, he's, 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 you know, all riled up and you could see how animated he is, but you couldn't hear anything. <laughs> and so I sent him a text. I'm like, Chase, Chase, unmute yourself. So he spent like three minutes talking. He got done. He looked very pleased at everything he had said. <laughs> Only nobody heard anything he said. So I text him, unmute yourself. And he had to go through the whole thing uh, all over again to the hey. Michigan class of 2020. Hey, we've all been there. We've all, doesn't matter how many Zooms you've been on. You've accidentally left yourself on mute, had your volume <laughs> down. Like we've all been there. Hey, I appreciate taking the time. It's nice to see you again over Zoom. Hopefully I get the chance to see you again in person very soon. And thank you very, very, very much for the time today, Matthew. For sure. Always a pleasure, man. Anytime. Thank you. Appreciate you. How great is Matthew Hasselbeck? One of my favorite people at our company. One of the most thoughtful, intelligent, articulate people I know. And quarterbacks know the game and he knows the game as well as anyone. From Matthew Hasselbeck to the Steelers wide receiver, Juju smith Schuster. Two guys drove to work. Neither guy wore a seatbelt. One guy got a ticket. One guy didn't. The same two guys drove home. One guy wore a seatbelt. One guy didn't. One guy made it home. The guy not wearing his seatbelt didn't. Don't risk it. Click it or ticket. Paid for by NHTSA. Everything okay? All right. I've been up since 5 a.m. working out and stuff, so. Up every day at 5 a.m. working out or what? It was just unusual. Uh, this week, this week, yeah. It's, it's, it's early for me because I have a lot of business stuff, a lot of meetings and stuff with teams. Well, obviously not with teams, but like with my team. Yeah. So, plus I'm on the, uh, the West Coast. So, three hours ahead. So, like, my meetings are at 9. So, I get up at, like, 5.30, work out at 6.00 two workouts back to back and then going to meetings and then um, doing this for the next two hours. It's not easy being Juju. Nah, it, it comes, it comes with a lot, <laughs> a lot, a lot, a lot of stuff behind the scenes people don't see. What is the biggest thing behind the scenes today, Juju, that people don't see? What are you working on now? Um, it, I think a majority of it right now is just, you know, just constantly just working out and obviously business deals and being able to fill those out. Um, you know, 
people think, you know, I mean, people think we get paid, you know, for the whole year, but now you don't get paid for, you know, the six months of, of you playing. And if you make it to the playoffs and for, from January all up to uh, basically August, you got to find a job. Well, I'm not saying find a job, but obviously managing your money. And uh, because of who I am, a lot, a lot, a lot of uh, partnerships and stuff like that. So doing stuff like this is always fun. What's the business deal you have going on the side right now that excites you the most? All oh, right now, oh, definitely uh, charming right now. And I'm working with them. Uh, it's it's really cool. And this is like the one that uh, this year that really like caught my attention because who would I ever know or thought that I would have, you know, a toilet paper deal. <laughs> so a toilet paper deal for you. Why'd you go with Charmin? Wait, what's the deal there with Charmin, Juju? Uh, so with Charmin, basically, I mean, for me, I spend majority of, a good amount of time, you know, uh, in the bathroom. And, <laughs> but, but, who doesn't? Yeah, who doesn't? I feel like everyone, everyone does, number one, number two, uh, constantly. <laughs> so. With them, um, Man, it's, it's really, really cool. So actually, a guy like me, for example, and probably a guy like you too, you know, this is for a lot of business people, a lot of people in the sports industry, anybody who's doing virtual meetings, uh, like myself, you know, having full meetings all day, having, and also being able to stream, you know, me streaming Fortnite and all that and playing video games. And, you know, you're pretty much live, you know? So, and the biggest problem for us is being able to go to the bathroom without being rude, without interrupting uh, the host or, you know, the meeting or what's going on. So I pretty much partnered with Charmin to show that, you know, the Charmin uh, BRB bot, which is basically uh, where you can create an AI. So like an AI juju will pop up and take over while I use the bathroom. And it's really cool. So um, tomorrow I'll be streaming with uh, Nick Merckx, Nate Hill, uh, Funk Bomb, uh, big streamers. You know, and we're going we're gonna to be, you know, hanging out, talking. They're going to be they're going to be talking to me, but I might be in the bathroom and my AI juju is going to be on screen. So the community, the, the 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 people who are watching are going to be still tuned in because it's like I'm actually there, but I'm really not there. But it's a great way to be, you know, not rude and be, you know, interrupting other like people's meetings and stuff. You know, I, I knew we were going to be talking about your business, but I didn't realize you'd be taking care of your business in the bathroom, sitting on the toilet with Charmin. That wasn't the topic I was expecting us <laughs> to get into right out of the box there, Juju. But that's good. I'm glad that that's taken care of. What about your on the field business, you re-signed with Pittsburgh, a one-year deal, $8 million. What does it mean to you to be back in Pittsburgh? Uh, it means a lot, man. It means, you know, so much more than, you know, anything. You know, if you're talking about betting on yourself on a one-year deal and, you know, what team to do it at, you know, I, I think I think the two other great teams that who, who had offered me are amazing, more money too. But at the end of the day, you know, being able to stay home, um, play, you know, what's your quarterback former year, knowing the playbook, knowing your relationship with your coaches are, are great and tremendous thing. And, you know, they work with you. So it's just a hand in hand, you know, and it feels great. And like the fans here are amazing. Uh, we'll be able to have fans back in the stadium. So that'd be awesome too. And just to have that event of, you know, diehard Pittsburgh Steelers. And what I just found out is that I think me, Antonio Brown and Heinz Ward were like the only receivers to sign back for a second year contract. And most receivers, you know, you know, they tend to go a different route. Wow. Could you have imagined playing with the Baltimore Ravens as one of the teams that you did talk to? Can I have imagined it? I have actually, I have within those, the night, within those hours of, you know, having calls with coaches and, and talking to players on their team. So, yeah. And you spoke to Lamar Jackson. What did he tell you 
about the idea of you being a Raven and you playing with Lamar? Um, it just it's it just kind of like a no brainer as far as like um, you know, playing with him. And in his sense, it's just more so like he has another weapon that he can use, you know, you know, him having like uh, Mark Andrews, having Hollywood Brown, having me too would be uh, a great asset, you know, to the team. So it was just like a no brainer. And that's that's the same with the Chiefs, too. Now, if you had signed in Baltimore, you would have been playing with Alejandro Villanueva again. Did you get a chance to see what he said last week after he signed in Baltimore by chance? I did. I did. I did. People, people, I mean, it's on social media. So people see it, people send it to me uh, as far as like, you know, I, I think how I think of it is that, you know, you go where it's best for you, you know, you go where it's best, best for your position. Um, and Al, and Al, you know, he likes, he likes to balance offense, you know, or, or it's, you know, you can run a ball, pass the ball. So, and I mean, he, I don't have anything against him. Yeah. But he said, and I'm going to read his words. I'm assuming it's not as fun for the receivers where they run the ball a lot because they're, not getting all the catches, they're making the TikToks and they're having fun on social media. A lot of people thought he was talking to you. Did you take it that way? Nah, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, you, like I said, like for my from for myself, like I stayed in Pittsburgh because I wanted to, you know, I was already built in the system. As far as Al, uh, you know, he had an opportunity to play in Baltimore, and you know, he sees that Baltimore, you know, runs the ball more than they throw it. And that's in Pittsburgh. In Pittsburgh, we throw the ball more than we run it. And it's just a known fact. And for him, you know, he prefers to, to have a balanced offense where they're really, you know, more run heavy than, than passing uh, in his sense. So uh, as far as like the TikToks, I mean, I've done TikToks with Al. I mean, it's on social media. Like, it's not like, you know, it's not, it's not like a, it's not like a, a hidden gym. Like you see the TikToks, he's been in Chase TikToks, he's been in my TikTok. So, um, but I mean, at the end of the day, he's a good dude and he'll never change. I don't ever see him throwing shade at me ever. So I'm totally fine with what he said. And Juju, the schedule's coming out this week. It's going to be 17 games. How do you feel about playing the extra game this year? I'm not really a fan of it. Because? It's tough. I mean, one, I mean, I'm, I'm young. I guess like I'm, I'm, well, I'm 24 years old, but still adding another game is, you know, it, it puts a toll on your body. And you know you you you're talking about a great game. I think I think I think I don't I don't I think our last game might be either Seattle, but it's still like it, these are games like it takes a toll on your body. And I can't even imagine like you know, hey, I want to play for for ten to twelve years, but instead, hey, now I'm playing for eight years because you know there's an extra game on the line, and it comes down to the point where like in order for it to in order for us to make the playoffs, like we don't have to have our starters play throughout the whole season. And I just like. It was tough for us to get through 17 games. Now, let alone 18, it's going to be tough. Let me say this. You want to make it, Juju. You're on the one-year deal now. You want to make sure that you're a free agent in 2023. That's when the new media rights money is going to kick in. That's when the money is going to go crazy. That's when the cap is going to increase. You want to really take care of yourself, work out hard, train, eat right, sleep right, use your Charmin, okay? Do all those things like that. And keep yeah. your eye on 2023. Yes, most definitely. That's, that's where it's at. There, you wrote it out for me. I'm going with see, your plan. See that? I can be your business manager, Juju. And I'd have you do less deals. I know Matt's not going to like that. I'd have you do less deals so that you could be more up and awake, work out harder. Keep your eye <laughs> on the prize there, Juju. That's, how, that's what you need to do here going forward. Last yes, thing sir. before I let you go. What kind of season are we going to get from Juju on that one-year deal this year? I mean, you're, you're going to get a, the whole package. Um, 
I think a lot, I think uh, the biggest thing that a lot of people are talking about is me playing outside. So you'll definitely see me play outside more and, you know, obviously a spark and down the field. Well, you play outside more and you'll have Najee Harris at running back. So what is that going to mean for your production? Well, that's going to be awesome. We're going to be a balanced offense now. <laughs> balanced <laughs> offense. Wow. So you could be a balanced offense and make TikTok videos. Yeah, it's possible. <laughs> hey, Juju, I appreciate your time today. Thank you very much. Lots of luck this season. Congratulations on the new deal. I'm sure we'll be bumping into each other at some point in time. Yes, sir. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. And there is the Pittsburgh Steelers wide receiver, Juju Smith-Schuster. And it's funny how you can tell right away if a person's energy level is up or down. And I could see it right away with Juju. For whatever reason, he was tired, worn down. That guy is usually all full of energy. And we happened to get him on a day where he just wasn't. He just wasn't for whatever reason. Maybe he was sitting on the toilet with his Charmin. Maybe it was something else. But again, the Juju that we know and love, he was busy. He was occupied. And so, again, we appreciate and thank him for the time. Also, last week we had on a great guest, Mel Kuyper Jr. And after we had him on with Todd McShay, an equally great guest, and after we had him on, I was thinking to myself how significant his contribution to football and television has been. Mel Kuyper has redefined the draft. He has changed the way it is broadcasted and consumed. He helped build the draft into the monster that it is today. And the thought occurred to me that Mel Kuyper Jr. had never won the Pete Rozelle Radio Television Award, which the Hall of Fame presents annually to somebody in recognition of longtime exceptional contributions to radio and television and professional football. Now I ask you, who has had more exceptional contributions to TV and pro football than Mel Kuyper? I'll give you some of the other previous winners. Joe Buck won the award in 2020, and Joe is unbelievable at what he does. Fantastic. Love him. 2019, Dick Ebersole the great NBC executive, helped redefine how football is broadcasted. Unbelievable. 2018, Andrea Kramer, bulldog of a reporter, a great reporter. 2017, David Hill, head of Fox. 2016, James Brown. 2015, my great former colleague, Tom Jackson. Unbelievable. 2014, Bob Trumpy, former NBC broadcaster. 2013, Al Michaels, broadcasting legend, royalty. 2012, Len Dawson. 2011, Jim Nance. Hello, friends. Unbelievable. 2010, another broadcasting legend, Chris Berman. 2009, Irv Cross. Some of the other winners, Dan Deardorff, Don Meredith, Leslie Visser, Myron Cope, Van Miller, Don Crickey, John Madden. Unbelievable. Rune Arledge, Ray Scott, Dick Enberg, Val Pinchback, Charlie Jones, Jack Buck, Frank Gifford, Pat Summerall, Kirk Gowdy, Chris Schenkel, Ed Sable, Lindsey Nelson, and Bill McPhail dating back to 1989 when the award was created. And there are some unbelievably worthy and deserving people there. There is nobody more deserving of the Pete Rozelle Award, the radio television award than Mel Kuyper Jr., who has transformed the draft and contributed to that over 43 years. I mean, really? If that award is given to anybody else, ahead of Mel Kuyper in 2021 or any other year, then they might as well retire the award because you can't come up with anybody in my mind that's any more deserving than Mel Kuyper Jr. And so 
I put that on Twitter, generated a lot of reaction. It should have. And again, I hereby nominate Mel Kuyper Jr., if I can even do such a thing, for the Pete Rosell Award in radio and TV. All right, we'll be back again next week for more on the Adam Schefter Podcast. I want to thank Matthew Hasselbeck. I want to thank Juju Smith-Schuster. I want to thank my great producer, Christina Buswell, for putting up with me and putting this podcast together. And I want to thank you, the listener, for tuning in to another Adam Schefter podcast. Like I said, we'll be back in this space next week. Until then, have a great week. Be well and stay safe.